Hi, I'm Scott Kay, Vice President of U.S. Ag Solutions at BSF. Coming to you today from my family farm in Atlantic, Iowa. On behalf of BSF employees across the U.S., we want to thank farmers and the agriculture communities that supported them throughout this past year. Thank you for the work that you do, farmers, to put food on our table, not just for Thanksgiving, but every day. You are truly doing the biggest job on earth. From my family to yours, we wish you a happy holiday season and a prosperous new year. Hello everyone, I'm Kurt Coffey with Case IH. For me and for many of you, this is a very important time of the year. For most of you, the 2023 season is largely behind you and you're looking forward to the next season with optimism and gratitude. At Case IH, we are thankful for the opportunity to provide purposeful solutions to help our customers to be more productive, efficient, and profitable. We gather during this Thanksgiving season to celebrate the many blessings that we've been given. This truly is a time together with family and friends. On behalf of myself and the entire Case IH family, we thank you for the work that you do to advance agriculture. Have a great Thanksgiving and we'll see you in the new year. Good morning and happy Thanksgiving. I'm Clinton Griffiths. And I'm Tyne Morgan. Today, we gather together to celebrate, for some, it may include some football and a whole lot of eating, along with spending time with family and friends. And we wouldn't be able to have that big meal without our farmers and ranchers. And that's why every year we celebrate with our special Harvest of Thanks broadcast. And Clinton, you have the perfect story to kick things off this year. That's right, Tyne. There are a lot of life lessons learned during the harvest season. And for one Pennsylvania farmer, the harvest education has been three quarters of a century in the making. The hustle of harvest. Today on pause, as rain keeps equipment on the road rather than between the rows at Daughter Dairy in Mill Hall, Pennsylvania. It's not always a bad thing. It's kind of a, you know, take a breath, get, get rested up and we'll go again. Nobody appreciates these little moments more than farm patriarch Paul Dotterer. To you, what constitutes a, a good day of harvest? It's the ability to you can get the job done. And he's still getting it done. At the start of the season, Paul went viral on social media after his granddaughter snapped this picture of him. I was like, Pop, we're just gonna do a quick photo. And he was just like, we're doing what? So we took that quick photo and it kind of just blew up. At 96 years young, Paul has been harvesting these Nittany Valley fields for decades. And he's still running. And he'll run for parts, he still drives. And I think he does pretty well for 96. I spent a lot of hours in this thing. We got this new in 2001. Now to take the combine out there and do Oh, in an hour, what should take you two weeks to do? Married in 1949, a couple of years later, he and his wife, Jean, bought a small 15-cow dairy farm for roughly $12,000. Before I even got married, I said I'd never marry a farmer because I was raised on a farm. How'd that work? 
<laughs> Together, they tackled the chores. Paul doing the farming, custom harvesting, and machinery work. His wife did most of the milking. My biggest secret was my wife. I really, uh, she helped me. Wouldn't have been for her, I don't know if I'd have made it. The surge dealer said, one day you might get as high as 35 cows, and I'm literally standing where there's 1,100 that are milked three times a day every day. Today, three generations work together with an eye on diversified operations. Through the years, doing everything from custom field work to hauling milk, running an equipment dealership, and even agritourism, this team continues to turn the lessons Paul taught them into action. Don't take anything for granted. Work hard. Enjoy your vacations, but come back and ready to work. When the sun shines, make hay. You got weather, move, move, move. Do what you gotta do and the cows come first. And if you ask Paul what he's learned from his decades amid the rows. Well, you learn to appreciate what you got. Some years it wasn't near what you'd like to have it. Other years it'd be a plentiful harvest. A lifetime of sowing has brought reward aplenty to the daughter of farm. It's just unbelievable, the change that has come in my lifetime. He might be slowing down. I had to take his motorcycle from him three years ago. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> but he's nowhere near a final pass. I'm convinced if you like what you do, don't sit down when you retire, because you won't last long. A legacy and a gift worthy of harvesting in any season of life. But you know, history has its place on the farm too, including a 100-year-old tractor that's become a symbol of one farm family's legacy. We'll show it to you coming up. Harvest of Thanks is brought to you by Case IH. The Farm All has been an iconic partner on the farm for generations. Come celebrate a century of Farm All, the one for all with us at farmall100.com and by BASF helping you do the biggest job on earth. The first Thanksgiving meal probably didn't have a lot of the traditional things we eat today, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and the likes of those. But more than likely, scholars say, it would have been made up of seafood and fresh vegetables, cornmeal, and deer for meat, but certainly not goats. Michelle Rupp joins us with more on that. One of the rarest breeds of goat in the world brought over by English settlers is finding its home in the Midwest. We visited Connor Prairie in Fishers, Indiana for a look at a couple of kids and an effort to preserve history. <laughs> Preserving the past with an eye on the future. That's the goal behind the expansion of a rare breed of goat called Iripaw that's on the brink of extinction. There's less than 300 in the U.S., there's 600 worldwide. The Iripaw goat is a dual purpose milk and meat breed. Heritage Farm Connor Prairie in Fishers, Indiana owns a small flock of the rare small ruminants. And in 1994, they were brought into the U.S. Um, and so we started with a foundation of six goats in the U.S. and have been able to build up to about 250 now in the U.S. Connor Prairie focuses on heritage breeds, which are described as very old breeds with historical significance, like the Arapaw, that are no longer used in modern production. Many of them have, have either gone extinct because they can't compete with commercial livestock um, and you know production animals, or they've just fallen out of favor. We work to help preserve those breeds and, and keep them a viable breed. <laughs> 
To achieve that goal, Connor Prairie partnered with Reproduction Specialty Group of Lebanon, Indiana to artificially inseminate does from their herd. Well, they were able to purchase some semen from the Smithsonian that had banked. Uh, in 2014, actually, is when that semen was frozen. And so it came in so we could in artificially inseminate their does with it. Uh, they have a kind of semen bank, really a bunch of different genetics of a lot of different rare animals, including things like uh, animals that are extinct in the wild today. To conduct the procedure, the Aeropod does were transported to Reproduction Specialty Group on October 26th. Their owner, Dr. Tad Thompson, performed the laparoscopic artificial insemination, assisted by Dr. Logan Ullery. So I just handled the anesthetic part uh, today and kind of helped facilitate um, sedating those goats and getting them to relax. They got clipped and prepped and Dr. Tad did the laparoscopic insemination and then uh, just stitched up the two holes that we had from our little incisions. Dr. Thompson, who founded the practice with his wife Amanda, conducts more than 20,000 laparoscopic artificial inseminations annually around the world. However, he says this one was special because heritage breeds have features we may need in the future, like resistance to diseases or the ability to survive in a changing climate. They all have a little different value of genetic potential. And so we don't even know exactly what all their potential could be somewhere down the road. So it's really important to preserve those genetics and kind of keep things going. And Thompson says these and other heritage breeds need to be protected because none of us can predict what the future will hold. Thanks, Michelle. Coming up, we celebrate another tradition on the farm, the trusty tractor. We head to Virginia to discover a true tractor treasure that's remained in the same family for nearly 100 years. You know, Tyna, farm tractor has become a tradition on the farm, and if a tractor could talk, there's a lot of things one in Virginia would say. That's right, Clinton. As the seventh generation of their family farm sows new seeds of opportunity for the Colifer family, the nearly 100-year-old tractor is a time capsule of what once was, and a symbol of the toil it takes to keep the family's farming legacy intact. Jeff Culifer achieved his greatest dream this year to start farming on his own. I feel like if there's something that makes you curious, you should investigate it. And luckily I've always I've always been curious enough about farming. That love for farming is contagious here on Culifer Farms, a love that's been passed down from Jeb's dad and granddad. When I got out of college, I worked for the Virginia Department of Transportation and farm part-time and did that for almost 12 years. But in 1998, Mike and his wife decided it was time to chase that dream full time. And in 2000, Mike got his chance to carry on that legacy that was built and labored by the five generations before him. Well, my family was, was from Eastern North Carolina originally. We were sharecroppers, but granddaddy was the landlord. He was very compassionate. In 1947, Lewis's parents moved here still farming peanuts back in North Carolina, but also growing produce here in Virginia. And just like his father, Lewis had an epiphany of his own 16 years ago. My dad, he's, he's a creative one. He was delivering to a whole food store and he came home one day and he told me, he said, they're gonna run us out of business with their marketing ideas. He said, the one thing we have that they don't have is we have a farm and they don't. He said, we need to figure out a way to get as many people to come to the farm and stay as long as they can, that that's how we can survive. 
With that, they moved from all wholesale to 99% retail. It's just amazing the appetite people have about how plants are grown. While their story and farm has changed, the one constant has been this antique iron, an original farm all that was the first tractor Lewis's granddad ever owned. That farm all represents our legacy. The tractor's never been outside the family. A rare tractor treasure that represents nearly a century of change and growth, as Lewis has one wish for the next 100 years. If I could come back 100 years now, I hope it's, it's pretty much like there's on it grows. We, we gotta grow, we gotta change. Mike says he cherishes his family's past and his father's foresight 16 years ago. That with Jeb, with his cattle, that we're doing the same thing my grandfather and great-grandfather did but we're really not changing. We're going forwards, we're going backwards at the same time. A tractor that's a tribute to the past, but a nod to what's allowed the seventh generation to now grow. Jeb says for that, he's grateful. I really, I really can't express that enough. I'm, I'm very grateful to the both of them, but my father especially, he's really given me a lot of opportunity at a young age to develop my own unique interest and passion for this. And I got that from my dad. His thing was, if you think it's a good idea and we can afford to do it, do it. As Jeb wraps up his first year of carving out his own operation, it's also reigniting the passion in Mike. One of my dad's oldest friends always said, when you lose your spark, you need to quit and, and go home. And so if you lose your spark, you're in trouble. And so that Jeb kind of got my, got my spark going again. Well, any time during harvest is a busy time for farmers out in the fields. And when you add another job on top of that, it can be downright stressful. How one Indiana farmer manages to do it and it creates a legacy on another kind of field at the same time. That's next. Many farmers these days have jobs off the farm, and while Russ Radke enjoys farming in Knox, Indiana as his day job, it's what happens on Friday nights that has earned him a place in history. Now, I got to spend some time with this very busy man who is grateful for it all. Keep moving, ladies. Every muddy step in Russ Radke's journey has centered around teamwork. Keep going, boy. Come on, giggle. The Toto, Indiana native grew up in the area's farm fields. You know, our dads probably got together in the 70s and started doing things together. The two are still working together today, raising calves, feeding them out, and selling freezer beef. And our dads were working back together and we leased different pasture ground at different places. We were up to 120 cows at one time. The herd may be smaller today, but the reward is in the work. It's not a profit-oriented business, I can tell you that right now. And just making sure that when you get to December and you settle the books, the, uh, the positives equal the negatives. With acreage and herd numbers too small to make this his full-time future, decades ago, Radke turned to his second love. Sports. Let's go now, defense gotta get tough right away. Actually, I was going to Brigham Young University on a uh, graduate assistantship uh, for a basketball coach. And suddenly within 48 hours, I became a football coach. Rain or shine, 47 years later. But you can't go to where we caught the ball. Coach Radke is the second winningest high school football coach in Indiana history, topping 400 career wins this season 
at the nearby high school in Knox. When I talked to Russ last week before his game, he told me there are four things in my life. There's football, there's farming, there's basketball officiating, and there's family. And that's pretty much all that covers Russ Radke. His time in agriculture and on the family dairy helped to mold his discipline and work ethic. He's very analytical in the way that he looks at things on a football field. And he's always trying to look for that kind of an advantage. That focus helped to guide his team with the support of his two sons as assistant coaches to a near perfect season, one game shy of the state finals. I don't golf, I don't fish, I don't have time for it, okay? But other people can do it, have fun. I have fun what we're doing right now. The only other fun he has is here amid his collection of restored, antique, and classic tractors, including this one, formerly used on the Indiana mint farm his wife was raised on. She don't want anything to do with it, you know. She might not even know how many I have. From tractors to bulldozers, even road graders, his collection of iron. You are on a automatic jam. Like his legacy on the gridiron, continues to grow from field to field and yard by yard. His Hall of Fame career starts and ends at the farm. It gets in your blood. I would give up coaching before I'd give up farming. Coming up, some final thoughts as we celebrate the end of the harvest season and the arrival of family and the holidays. Harvest of Thanks is brought to you by Case IH. The Farm Mall has been an iconic partner on the farm for generations. Come celebrate a century of Farm Mall, the one for all, with us at farmall100.com. And by BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Harvest season and fall is my favorite time of year here in Indiana. I don't know if it's the changing colors, the busyness of the season, or the knowledge that another chapter, this year's crop, is coming to a close that makes it uniquely special. There's always an air of discovery in the flurry of activity. As I spoke with two different farmers for this Harvest of Thanks, I learned a lot, and I can't help but appreciate their successes. Both are dedicated to their professions, both let agriculture color their attitudes and decision-making, and both found that grit and determination can eventually open the door to unprecedented growth. In the face of wild odds, they've been willing to build a plan, design a goal, and step forward. Nothing was given, both started at zero. Zero acres, zero cows, and zero wins. But by surrounding themselves with good people, building strong support, strong teams, and standing steadfast even in the pouring rain, these farmers are carving a path for the next generation and they're doing it with a passion for the profession. To give thanks this holiday, think about your path. What steps are you taking towards success, and have you been willing to do the work required to be successful? Wins are fun, but rarely are they given. Instead, they're earned. One day, one practice, one field at a time. There are no shortcuts to the top, and these farmers have proven that to us. Because if there were, more people would be standing in the winner's circle. But don't get lost in the pursuit of the goal. Instead, enjoy the journey and let the winds take care of themselves. Well, that's all the time we have today. We hope you enjoy the rest of the day with family and friends, along with a big and wonderful meal. For all of us here at Farm Journal, have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>